0: Love talk Radio.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scream Picks Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kit Bowen. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about like six six, seven movies actually coming out this week, which is, which is uh, kind of odd because usually on the summertime, we said usually it's like one or two major ones a week and then uh, some other ones. But uh, this week, we have a few that are actually just going straight to streaming. But uh, before we get into it, I want to introduce here my very good friend, Joel Amos, is joining in. Hi, Joel. How are you today?
2: <laughs> I'm really well. Thank you very much.
1: All right. So let's just jump right into it. The first one we're going to talk about is In the Heights, which has been a very highly anticipated uh, big screen adaptation of Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, uh, hit Broadway musical. Uh, it stars uh, Anthony Ramos. Corey Hawkins, Leslie Grace, Melissa Barria, uh, and it's directed by John Chu. Uh, it's very kind of simple premise. of um, It's about a sympathetic New York bodega owner who saves every penny every day as he imagines and sings about a better life, as well as the rest of the community that is uh, represented in this. So I'll let you start us off because you're the big musical person. What did you think of In the Heights?
2: I absolutely loved it, absolutely loved it. I, I mean, I say this, but like, I think I need to look back and actually look at what the movies have been for the last six seven months. But like, this may be one of my favorite of the year. I mean, this just thing yeah. just pops off the the, the screen. It, it, the colors, the, the the vibrancy, the songs, the choreography. I mean, that number in the pool. Like, I can't imagine what went into orchestrating that. I mean dancing in the streets with, with a cast of hundreds and hundreds, all in unison. I mean, it's just, it's a feast for the eyes. It's manna for the ears. Uh, and it, it, it kind of is the movie we need right now. It kind of gives you a, a taste of, of why we all hunger for the American dream. And the millions yeah. and millions of immigrants that come to this country with that sole purpose in mind and how some of us who've been here a while, grandparents, uh, immigrated, great grandparents may have lost sight of that a little bit. And this was a real wake up call. Like I just, I felt real motivated after watching this movie. Um, <laughs> and I just, I just felt like, you know, anything is possible. And, and this is what I, you really want out of a, a musical of any kind is that it uplifts you. It takes you to a place where you, you just can't get to otherwise. And there's something about the songs; they're pure Lin Manuel uh, Miranda. Um, there's rap, there's singing, there's a combination of both, uh, and they share a common thread. They're all catchy. Um, I was asked earlier today to pick a favorite, and I'm like, that's like a Sophie's choice. I can't, I can't. It's just they're all so good, um, and I just thought the performances, top to bottom. I think Ramos is a, it's a star-making turn, um, and I also like would like to note that. This is his first musical. And, of course, his second, Hamilton, is what became a cultural icon. But I really think it was smart to make this the first one to leap to the screen. And I, now, not the Disney Plus one. The Disney Plus one was Hamilton filmed on Broadway. I'm talking about Hamilton right. being made into a mo- movie. Like, this was smart to make this first because so much of this musical required so much of imagination when you see it live. So to see it on screen, it's its full potential. And I just, it was a great musical before, and it's one of the best ever made now.
1: You know, I have to, uh, you know, I'm the the one who doesn't really love, love, love musicals overall, but I have to say, I really, I did enjoy this very much. And I think I just actually really like Lin-Manuel Miranda's survive, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he, this was not not necessarily a straight up opera like Hamilton is. I mean, I guess there are a few words spoken in Hamilton, but for the most part, it's all sung. Um, this this definitely has more dialogue in it and whatnot. And I also feel like for a musical, because a lot of times when you watch you know a, a Broadway show turn into a movie, there are elements that you you sit there and you say that that was really, really amazing on stage, you know? Like I feel that way about Chicago and stuff, you know, mm. even though it's a great movie, I you know, there's there's some moments, dance moments where you think, Oh my gosh, if I saw that on stage, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. But this this one just lends itself to being made into a movie, you know, it's
0: it's mm-hmm. it's
1: not a complicated uh musical. It's not, you know, there isn't a whole lot of that's why I think Hamilton might be harder to make as a movie only because, you know, it turns into a historical film rather than a musical, I think. Um, And it's so amazing what they do on the stage with Hamilton and, and how they use very minimal sets and this kind of thing. But this, you know, you can easily take this from the stage where you can kind of probably, you know, of course I didn't see it on stage, but I'm sure they, they, they make the stage look like you're on the streets of New York or whatever. But, I mean, being on the streets of New York. I mean, you know, being in this environment, it just lends itself to it. Um, Yeah, the music was fantastic. I mean, there really was some great, great songs in this. And um, I just love that kind of talk, you know, rap thing that he does. I just, I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. It's interesting to me. Um, Also, I thought the direction. I thought John Chu was I mean, some of the, the musical numbers in this, but just visually, everything. How you know the one where she's running down the streets and the you know and the um, the fabrics or whatever are flying in the air. I just thought that just it's a brief moment, but it was so beautiful for a second. And You're like, mm-hmm. this is what this woman's all about, you know, fashion and you know, creating creating designs and I don't know. I just there's so many moments like that, so many beautiful shots. Uh, I was very <laughs> impressed with the direction of yeah. this and yeah all the young performers were just spot on um you know not a false moment in any of them even Corey Hawkins I guess is probably the most recognizable um because he's you know he's done several films and played Dr. Dre and uh you right. know Straight Outta Compton and that kind of thing so he's he's the most recognizable I guess everyone else is sort of new, newcomers or they, they're or they all were they Broadway performers before this right. or Dino, right yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah, I mean, but they all translated really well on the screen, especially the you know, the the fashion designer Vanessa. Um also I loved Nina, that character as well. Oh. Um and it looks like I read the I read the um synopsis from the musical and I guess they changed it up a little bit from the movie and I guess they probably added uh did they add a new song? Yes. Which which one was it? <laughs>
2: Oh, so, I can't remember.
1: Uh,
2: I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, I
1: think my, I think my favorite is the opening song.
2: I yeah, think that was yeah. my
1: favorite. For some reason, that was that was the one that hit me the most. But um, yeah, the pool scene was me. Just so many great, great moments. To this. I think it went on just a tad long for me. Um, you know, I, I feel yeah. like two and a half hours or however it was, it, it's a little long. But other than that, I was I was in it. How about you?
2: Yeah, it that's the thing. Um, I mean, I, I loved Hamilton, but I mean, it, it was three hours, and and again, I yeah. and the right the right thing I can sit through for three hours. Uh, once a right. time in Hollywood, I did not even notice yeah. that that was two hours and fifty three minutes. No idea that was nope. two hours and fifty three. Nope, it just flew right by. <laughs> nope. But this, there were a couple of moments I was like, okay, Lane manuel just, just a few. And he did that with Hamilton yeah. to, to a larger extent. You know, it's a longer thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe that we can do a, a musical under two hours. I just, I really believe that. Um, but that's what's nice about it being on HBO Max on the same day is that you could pause yeah. it, come back to it. Um, it's definitely worth the endeavor. Um, there are—I um, run a occasional column on Movie Bench called "The Perfect Scene," and what I've done so far is probably about five or six from the, um, like Jesse's girl scene in Boogie Nights* um, oh, yeah. to *Casablanca*. But like, there, there, there are so many in this that I almost want to say they're not necessarily perfect scenes; they're perfect shots. There's a shot, and that's mm-hmm. what I want to talk about. John Shue, he. He is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, he's really paid his dues. He did the Justin Bieber doc. He he did the Jim and the Holograms movie, which I thought was great, but just totally bombed. Um, But like, (laughs) there's a shot where where Anthony Ramos is in his bodega and he's looking out and they had just finished the big musical number and there's still hundreds of people in the street in perfect symmetric lineup. And the camera pulls in on him on the outside glass and you just see his face and almost a shadow of hundreds of people that is the neighborhood. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And yeah. that whole dance sequence on the side of the building, that was oh. unreal. That I mean, was really cool. And
1: it was a so, love song, too. It was really, really, right. really
2: cool. Oh, I guess I get to <laughs> chill talking about it. And so, like, yeah. Dan Chu, I just, I mean, and, and yet yeah, he can turn around and do action movies, too. I mean, he did Crazy Rich Asians, yep. but he, he also did G.I. Joe he did the best G.I. Joe, frankly. And I just, I mean, this guy, he can do it all.
1: He really can. He is, and this should give him a big notch because it was, I'm sure, a lot, a, a huge undertaking to do it. And, you know, and the young guy who does play the the lead character who, of course, Lynn played on stage, you, you get the Lynn vibe, but he definitely made it his own um, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, I was, I was definitely loving this and I, the colors, the costumes, yeah. you felt the heat cause it takes place during a major mm-hmm. heat wave and you just, I don't know. I I did. I, I actually really enjoyed it. And I'm glad I, <laughs> I did get to, I didn't get the chance to see it in the theater. I did watch it on HBO max, but, uh, you know, I feel like anyone who is a musical fan, and especially if you love when, you know, work, you, you should probably try to see this on the big screen because I feel like it'll it would even pop more, you know. Even though, like you said, it is a little long, but maybe if we were in the theater enjoying it with everyone, it wouldn't feel that way. Again, yeah, there's there's yeah. just. You know, that kind of camaraderie you feel when you're watching a movie with a bunch of people. So, um, but I feel like this one would be great to see on the big screen. So, uh, you know, and again, like you said, it's very, it's very cultural as well. And it's, you know, really kind of blends a lot of the, the different uh, Hispanic cultures, you know, because it's mm-hmm. not just the type of, you know, you got Puerto Ricans, you have the Mexicans, you have the Dominican Republicans, You you know. You have all the different sort of mix, and it's just – it really works. So, I mean, I would give this four and a half stars. How about you?
2: Yeah, despite the length, I'm going the full five because it's just one of these movies Uh that has stuck me. And I saw it last week, and I still – like, each night when I have, like, a screener to watch, I'm tempted to whether – to do late night on the screener and watch the heights again and then i'm like no 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 i need my full attention <laughs> on the screener so i mean i'm still like i mean i might not i might watch it again this weekend and and i i just i i love that too with the the diversity that it might be easy for white america or larger america to lump latinos into one big group but like this neighborhood is latino no question but they're from all corners of the world right? and you no story is cuban nobody's story is the same. So it's it's right. just it's it's an education. And when we have immigration on the headlines every day, um, I just think yep. it's a timely movie too. And it just hopefully it can open some eyes for some people that, you know, this is no different than our Irish or Italian or whatever grandparents who came to here 100 years ago. Yep. This is the same story yep. just told by a different people.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, five is good, but I, I'll stick with four and a half. It's still an excellent, excellent effort and more, definitely worth watching. So check that one out for sure. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about this very weird British uh. film <laughs> called Spencer. Um, I like, I want to read the description. After viewing a strangely familiar video, Nasty. That's what they call them, I guess, in England, like horror films or like mm-hmm. slasher films. Video nasties. Enid, a film censor, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest to dissolves the line between fiction and reality. Uh, I, I looked up how, how to spell this, the young actress's name. She's Irish. It's Neve Neve Elgar. Yes,
2: and That's I talked I like. to her actually. Uh,
1: did you? Oh, cool. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. Also, a bunch of other people, of course, that nobody would recognize. I actually recognize her, though. I think I've seen her in a few other things. But uh, go ahead. Tell us. What did you think of Censor?
2: This is one of those things, and we've talked about this on the show before, where you see a movie and you kind of have a certain opinion and then like you do a junket or you talk to the stars and you talk about the making of it right. and it increases almost your understanding of the movie. So my appreciation of the movie has actually gone up since I talked to Neve, And I, I I see what they're going for. It's just the problem with it is it's hard to watch. And that's that's yes. not anybody's fault other than each person who is watching it. And the only thing that they bring to the experience of watching a movie. Because we see in detail some of the stuff that she has to cut. And it is gruesome. I mean, it is gruesome. Yeah. Like like Saw on steroids. I mean, I am not kidding. Yeah. And I, I that's really hard for me because I'm not a big soft fan. So, like, I like horror movies, but I prefer it be cerebral. Like, mess with my mind. Like, I don't need it bludgeoned, you know, across the screen. That being said, what Niamh, the actress, achieved in that movie is extraordinary. I mean, she, through a metamorphosis that is so emotionally driven, where, I mean, there's at one point where she's in a fetal position crying. And like, she goes from like this woman who almost seems emotionless at the beginning who's just slowly unraveling, like, what is real? What is in the movies? Um, I love how it takes place kind of like in the 80s. We kind of get a feel. There's, yeah. like, this timeless feel to it. But I think it's the 80s. And is, if yeah. not for her, I wouldn't have been on board at all. But there was something about her and what she did with this role that kept me engaged through the whole thing, right out to that ending, when if there was ever a WTF ending, the, the ending of Censor <laughs> is that. Um, like, what did I just watch? Um, so if that's your bag, this is great. And if you are fine with really horrid scenes, uh, that's not necessarily part of this movie. It's part of the movies that she watches. Right. And that's okay with you. Then this, this you know, a study in acting genius, I think, is put on display here by Neve. And and it was just a joy talking to her and about, you know, trying to keep track where she was in the movie to be playing those emotions because they filmed it out of order and the shoot oh. at the end in the woods and how that just added layers to reality to it because they were low budget, so they didn't have a lot of light. So it was really dark and it was really scary. Um, and so it just, it added things to the movie for me talking to her, but it, it is, it is a brutal experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is, and I definitely hid my eyes through much of it. So, especially when she is watching these horrible, horrible. So it's her oh. job basically to censor these things, and you know it's kind of a, um, you know, just gross, gross like Rob Zombie, you know, Eli mm-hmm. Roth kind of gross stuff, and and you know, and, and the '80s, the '80s because you know VHSs were there and stuff. But, you know, that was a big, that was a big draw. I mean, that was, yep. that was what people wanted to see, you know? So that was the horror genre of that age. is very much gruesome like that. It was not my thing. Not my thing. No. I'm say that nope, nope, nope. This was, so, this was very, very atmospheric and weird. And, you know, I got, I got, I got a total David Lynch vibe, especially that last scene in the woods. Um but she was. She was mesmerizing in this. She was. Mm-hmm. She is the movie. I mean, really, literally, there isn't yep. anybody else, really, of note in the film. It's all her. And uh, you know, you you do, you kind of see her transform, and you can see she, she's haunted by this, this, what happened to her as a child with her sister, and there's this mystery, like, the, is, is she, has she been crazy? You know, is she crazy? I just, all of that just kind of kept it was like an onion being Peeled mm-hmm. you know layers The layer more you peeled off The the you know Juicier and the more Eye tearing it became so yeah it was uh, It was it was a masterwork for her and like You said if it wasn't if she didn't Put in the performance she did it probably wouldn't Have worked quite as well But I do feel that there was You know the director as well um, he said, I'm not even sure Who
2: Oh, Frano Bailey, Bailey Bond. Bond. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she's... Um, you know, she, she, she? Oh, so she, yeah, she yeah. sets the tone for this. So it's, that's very interesting. That's what, you know, and I feel like she definitely was influenced by some of those weird directors like David Lynch and whatnot. Didn't you get a David Lynch vibe with this? Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: David Lynch, I'm Roger a Corman. A little
1: dwarf to come... <laughs> Corman, that was the other one. Yes. Yes. Foreman, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it's got a really good, actually, grading on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And I kind of like what they described it, you know, when they do like a critic's consensus. They say, occasionally uneven, but bold and viscerally effective. Censor marks a yeah. bloody good step forward for British horror. And that, that kind of really is a really good way of summing this up. Uh, it's got an 85%, like I said. So, Oh, and uh-huh. by the way, uh in the heights has a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes so clearly it's a, it's a it's a major hit with the critics anyway back to the censor but yeah I mean I would give this one also four and a half uh, yeah I just you know uh well, I mean I I didn't It was an un- uncomfortable film to watch but it was also fascinating so I'd give four yeah. and a half how about you
2: uh, I'd go four and a half, and, and it's joined a, a yeah. list of movies for me that I will um, uh, never watch again. <laughs> but <laughs> if you want to see it for the first time, please do, because it's really good.
1: Yeah, and it is, It's you know, if you kind of don't mind that so of horror, and there are a lot of people out there who do like that, you know, even though that's not really the point of this film, uh, it's nope. still, you know, a major part of it. So, yeah, so if that's okay for you, then... You will enjoy it. So moving on, we're going to talk about 12 Mighty Orphans, which is based on a true story. Uh, Let me read the description here. Haunted by his mysterious past, devoted high school football coach in the 1930s, I'm going to say, leads a scrawny team of orphans to the state championship during the Great Depression and inspires a broken nation along the way. Like I said, it's a they a your story and it stars Luke Wilson, Vanessa Shaw, Martin Sheen, Wayne Knight. Um, and the young, the young cast who plays, who play the orphans are sort of, uh, it's a little bit unknown. Uh, the one I think I remember, uh, the one I think I recognize the most was Jacob Laughlin. Uh, but there's a few others uh, on there. Jake Austin Walker, he plays Hardy Brown, kind of a major part of this major player on the, on the field. Um, I'll start this one off. Uh, you know, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's it's pretty standard sports, you know, underdog type film. Um, there's, a you know, many elements involved in that that, you know, that, that they didn't really veer or try to make different at all. It's pretty straightforward storytelling in that way. Um, I, uh, you know... I I guess probably the most interesting part for the film to me was the orphanage and the, the boys that were there and Wayne Knight kind of plays this really kind of bad, awful guy who sort of is the caretaker or the, or the manager, I guess. He's not the owner, but he's like the manager and he's really mean and um you know, and how the boys sort of deal with that. And then this young guy comes in, Hardy, uh, and he's, you know, pretty broken as well, but they all have these kind of very, you know, broken pasts, obviously, from the depression or whatever the case may be, the mothers and, and parents giving up their kids because they can't take care of them. It's it's sad. So that, that part of it I actually found compelling. Um, But the rest of it was just okay. I felt Luke Wilson was maybe a little uh, miscast. Um, I mean, he did an okay job, but I don't know. I didn't feel the same kind of... Uh, inspirational feeling to that kind of a character that I have in the past from other, other you know, characters like that, you know, no one's ever going to top Gene Hackman <laughs> and Hoosiers ever. In my opinion, he is like the classic sports coach. Right. And then Martin Sheen's kind yeah. of like the um, Martin Sheen's kind of like the uh, Dennis Hopper. But maybe not as Martin Sheen in this as well. Actually, I, I thought I thought he did a nice job. He plays the doctor of at the orphanage who has a drinking problem, and you know, and, and but it also has a kind heart and that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I I felt like what it was supposed to do, it did. You know, and at the end, you kind of see all who the real people were and what they went they went on to do, and that was kind of fun too. You know, but I don't know. And I guess the coaching that. Uh, this guy did um position in rusty russell uh he kind of revolutionized uh the way football played he he did some yeah. things on the field that had never been done before and that were were adopted into the into the into the uh, playbooks you know to how football is played today so I thought that was kind of cool too but overall i don't know it was just okay how about you what did you think
2: yeah, yeah, it was okay. I got I got two this week that, that basically are movies that I, I, I kind of enjoyed, but I felt like I'd seen them before. Um, we're not really stretching out on new grounds. Um, you know, the, the depression stuff was, was interesting, and I always think it's important to show that. Uh, to give some people some perspective who might have lost it. Uh, The football stuff, I thought, as a football fan, was very interesting about how he changed the game. Um, I feel, in in hindsight, that was almost kind of glossed over. Um, And it was given, like, 10 minutes and then shown through the game, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the narrative anymore. But, yeah. And so I I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, But maybe, you know, the fact that this is a – team of 12 orphans and, and they basically had to play both sides of the ball, defense and offense, uh, which makes what they did all the more incredible. Um, you know, once they make their run and inspire the nation all the way up to FDR in the white house, um, yeah. that kind of takes over. So, I mean, there's a lot of story to tell here, frankly. Um, and I just feel like it kind of did the, the TV movie a week thing to it. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Luke Wilson. He's he's okay. But, like, I, I would love to have seen what Josh Lucas might have done. Um,
1: yes. Yeah. He's another you one. i done saying? That kind of role before. But
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. He did a basketball
2: iconic. movie. Right. <laughs> you know, and he's done that. Or Cole Hauser. Um, yeah. uh, kind yeah. of recently did that as a wrestling coach. And I know you probably don't want to play a million coaches in your career. But, so, yeah, I thought like that was. <laughs> He was, he was an interesting choice. I mean, he does good things in movies that, are, that fit his wheelhouse. Um, but, yeah, it was just okay. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just it kept my attention. Um, it, was, it was fascinating. I mean, the idea that, you know, we're used to today where, you know, most people like have to become orphans because their parents die or severe circumstances. And, and here it's as simple as there's not enough money to feed you. Um, yeah. and we drop you off you at this place off. and go and and leave. And that's just the way it is. And an entire generation grew up that way. Um, yeah. So, and and if you think about it, they were about to join the military in 1941 and go save the world. So yeah. they really are the greatest generation. Which a lot of generation.
1: them went on to
2: do, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean there's a lot there. There is a lot to chew on and and it is entertaining enough but it it's it's just okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that was you're right, it's I, I didn't think about it, but they did kind of a missed opportunity because it takes place in Texas, uh worth. Right. And uh Texas football is, you know, I mean Honestly, it's, it's huge. It's just it's always has been, especially high school level. It's just that you know many movies about that, and just the, the just how it kind of grew as far as the states concerned and, and their love for it. So it was a missed opportunity because it really is kind of a first look at at high school football in a way that we haven't seen before, and and they could have they could have delved more into it, but they like you said they can not kind of gave it the glossy movie of the week, TV movie of the week uh, sheen to it, rather than try to dig deeper into it. So um, that's that's kind of a shame. But there are some, like, there was the football playing was was fun to watch. It always is, especially, you know, in this time period when they didn't really have face masks or, or, you know, huge helmets or any of that stuff. So these guys got beat up. I mean, it's rough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... You know, you get to see all of that as well. But, um, I mean, what rating would you give this one? One Oh, boy. Three and a quarter? It's not a three and a
2: half
1: movie. I'm going to say three, I think. It's got a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, so clearly not a huge huge hit with critics. But you and I are usually, you know, we, we we kind of we enjoy a movie you know, for its movie's sake, you know whether it's it's does what it's supposed to do or not. And I feel like this did you know an adequate job. So three stars for me on this one as well. Um, okay, so moving on, we're going to talk about a movie I didn't get a chance to see, but you saw. It's called The Misfits. It uh, let me read the description here. It's not to be mistaken with the 1960. What was it? 68. Like the last movie of Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe and Monroe,
0: uh, yeah.
1: And who uh, uh, am I blanking? Um, shoot! Come on, help me out now. Place in the sun, actor. Uh, Gosh, he was in it, too, anyway. All right, so let me read the description here. After being recruited by a group of unconventional thieves, renowned criminal Richard Pace finds himself caught up in an elaborate gold heist that promises to have far-reaching implications on his life and the lives of countless others. Uh, It stars Pierce Brosnan, Jamie Chung, Tim Roth, Nick Cannon, Mike Angelo, um... A bunch of people and here's here's the catch. It's directed by Rennie Harlan. <laughs> not yes. the most glowing uh-huh. recommendation since he's not the best director in the world. But what did you think of Miss Fitz?
2: Well here here we are on the other movie that for me was entertaining but just okay. Uh and for mm-hmm. similar reason. I, I felt like I've seen this movie before and it was called Oceans Eleven and <laughs> twelve and thirteen and eight. No, I, 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 and it's not, it's not anybody involved in this movie's fault. Like I actually think it might yeah. be Renny Harlan's best movie in years. I mean, it is, crisp. Really? it is, it is action packed. It, you know, it's, the ensemble is, is great. They're funny together. They, I mean, they have fun. I mean, it, it's a kind of an enjoyable ride. I and mean, Pierce Brosnan is just having a blast being the guy at the <laughs> center of all of this who they need, or they can't do what they want to do. And, um, they're kind of like Robin Hoods, although Nick Ken's character doesn't like that name because it has the word hood in it, which I find hysterical. And, That's funny. And just, <laughs> like, I'm not naming ourselves after anything involving a hood. And so, um, so they call themselves the Mitzvitz, and basically they're stealing from the rich to give to the poor. But the problem is, is Pierce Brosnan is a thief who steals from himself, and they recruit him at the beginning of this because there's something very important going down. And it involves gold at the bottom of a prison in the Middle East that is owned by Tim Roth. And so Tim Roth is almost like Andy Garcia in Ocean's Eleven. So it's kind of like, I mean, the, the things keep happening where I, like, I, I feel like I've seen this movie. But you know what? This movie is still fun, but I've seen it before. Right. And it kind of right. gave me an idea. It gave me an idea. And I'm putting this out there in the Hollywood world if anybody's listening. <laughs> Daniel Craig is coming to an end after this next movie and then we got to find a new bond now in between roger moore and tiffany dalton we had roger moore return in never say never again and the way that pierce brosnan was in this movie and he is dashing he is smooth he is sexy as hell he is in command he handles the action sequences brilliantly i mean let's do a pierce brosnan bond movie in between Whoa. Craig and the next person. And make him an older <laughs> guy, but he's still 007. And, like, that, that's what I got from this movie. And maybe that's what I wanted from this movie. But, like, it just, I couldn't get it out of my head. I mean, as soon as he comes on the screen and the way he acts and the way he thinks is, I'm like, he needs to be Bond again, even just for one movie. I mean, if, if, if uh, Sean Connery can do it, then sure, he can do it. So anyway, right. it's, it's it's a it's a fun ride. The, the, it visually, it's amazing. I mean, it takes place starts in LA, but then they end up in the Middle East. They like traipse through the desert, which is gorgeous. They go to Dubai, which is gorgeous. They go to this fictional Middle Eastern country, which is gorgeous, <laughs> and it's just you know everybody's it. wealthy, like and the, yeah. the cars are amazing, you know. And everybody looks great. And, you know, it's just, you know, you're spending two hours looking at good-looking people, doing crazy things. And Nick Cannon, like, is even fun. I mean, I I tend to find him a little annoying. But, like, he was great. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's weird for me to fault a movie because you're basically a movie I've already seen, even though it was fun. Yeah. But surely there's got to be other heists or other ways of doing things. Uh, I mean, look at the creative amazingness that came out of Army of the Dead. I mean, there's a new fangled heist movie. Let's throw in zombies. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this? (laughs) Yeah. we're We're robbing a fortified fortress from a bad guy with a crew of characters who each have their own personalities and all make us laugh. We've seen that movie.
1: Yeah, we sure have. Yeah, that's a shame. Well, but it sounds like it might be fun to watch to catch, you know, when it gets on to streaming some some time, you yeah. know, just uh just to check it out. By the way, the the actor I was trying to think of from the nineteen sixty one misfit Cliff. is Montgomery Cliff. Montgomery
2: Cliff, Cliff thank you yes. very much. Yeah. That hit me too. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I thought of it as soon as I stopped talking. Um but, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like this would probably be one that I would want to watch, like I said, just if I had some time. But what, what rating would you give this one?
2: I'd give it three stars, and, and, and this is what is confusing. I mean, I, it's going straight to theaters. There's no plans for, like, home video or streaming. And, I, I mean, I, I feel like if this thing had debuted on Amazon or Hulu, I feel like it yeah. would do a lot better.
1: You know, I mean, it's just going to be an interesting thing that ends up happening over the next, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out over the next few years. But I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like people should really start, or or filmmakers and producers should really start thinking about that. Because no one's going to see this movie in the theater, probably. No one's going to. Nope. seek it out. But if it were something that you were flipping through, everyone's everyone's home, you know, at some right. point during a weekend, you know? And they're flipping it around they're like, Oh, I like Pierce Brosnan, let's flip and they'd watch it. I know I guess they won't Boom. get the same amount of money from it, I guess. I don't know. But it's, it's just I I I, uh, I feel like it's a disadvantage. Like the film Profile that we saw uh, a couple right. of months ago or a couple like last month. That's a great movie, but I feel like it if it's if it had gone straight to streaming, people would have probably watched, probably would have had a chance to see it. And it's such a good movie to see, you know, instead of it going straight to theaters and then, and then waiting kind of thing. So I don't know. And,
2: and then you get word of mouth and then you get, it goes on right? for weeks. Like you get people watching yep. it for weeks on Hulu or Amazon, whereas in the theater, this thing is going to sit in the empty theaters. I guarantee it.
1: Yeah. So they probably wouldn't make any money anyway. So yeah. I, exactly. I and it's a, it's an interesting dilemma.
2: An interesting dilemma.
1: Yes, we'll see how it shakes out. Like we said, I hope people are learning. You know, the idea that these Warner Brother movies are going in the theater and also on streaming doesn't seem to be hurting their their box office nope. at all either. You know, nope. people are still wanted to go see The Conjuring in the theater, and it beat it beat Quiet Place too. You know, I feel like right. In the Heights is going to do huge business. Huge. Huge. I feel it's like pre sales
2: are off the charts.
1: Yeah, because, look, that's a that's a demographic that doesn't get hit very often and they love going to the movies too. So, you know, I mean like you know Latinos and Hispanics and whatnot, they're they're a big audience as well, just like like the African American uh, audiences. So yeah, I feel like this is gonna be a really big one. And, and and again, people who couldn't who might not have it playing in their local theater, they can still see it. <laughs> I agree. Yep. I feel like streaming is a good option, certainly for movies that don't seem to really have that big of an um in the in the main theater. So, anyway. speaking of, <laughs> moving mm-hmm. on, uh, I'm going to talk about a movie I saw but you haven't had a chance to see yet. It's streaming on Paramount Plus. It's called Infinite, and it's uh, it's sort of an action sci-fi thriller. Uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua. I didn't realize that when I was watching the movie, so that's an interesting uh, added note to that, but um, it's a very brief description here. A man discovers that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. Uh, it stars Mark Wahlberg uh, as the man. Uh, Chiwetel Ijifor is kind of plays the bad guy. Sophie uh, Cookson, um, Dylan O'Brien's in it. Jason... Manzookas? Manz- Is that how you say his last name? He's a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. He, he pops up everywhere. Uh, Rupert Friend's in it. Toby Jones. Um, it's actually got a really cool cast. I unfortunately, it's not that great of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of a shame because I really, I liked the idea of it and the, um, you know, the sort of the universe it started to create. But it was way too complicated and and convoluted and unnecessarily, you know, weird. And uh, the idea that there's all, there's an infinite is someone who realizes that they have past lives. Basically they can remember all of the things that happened to them in their past lives. And they're not that very many of those people in the world, but there's a handful and they're called infinites. And then you've got, the people who want to do good for the world, right? So somehow the the lessons they learned in their past lives helps them, you know, help the world. And then you've got the other half of the people who want to blow up the world. They don't care about anybody and they just, they want they want this cycle to end and so they want to die. Well, I don't know, not die, but I guess they just want to, not be, you know, kept being put in back into a new person every time they die kind of thing. So does that make sense to you? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Did I explain that correctly? Anyway, Mark Wahlberg, like, just legit, you know, I I actually really like him as an actor. I do. I feel like he has, when he wants to, he can really do some good work. And he's he's funny, you know, and he really works well in the comedy because he can be so straight-faced. Um when he's in a movie that's not very good and the plot's not great and he doesn't really have, you know, a whole lot, much more to do than just sit around looking at everybody going, you know, he's the reactionary guy. He's like, well, what do you mean? What do you, mean? you know, so like half of the movie is explaining what the hell's going on. <laughs> that's not a good way to have a movie where half of it's exposition, basically. Um So yeah, he's just kind of stonewalled just, you know, just, I eyed walking through it going, hey, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And tell who I also love, too, and he's, he can do just about anything, kind of chews it up a little too much as the bad guy. Uh, it's just it's just stupid. It just doesn't make sense. The logic's not great. Um, the, the one thing this movie has going for it is the action sequences, which is where Antoine comes in, and that's something he can do very well. Um there's some great set pieces, especially at the very beginning, there's sort of this huge car chase, whatnot. And that was, you know, I love car chases and it was a good one. Um, and there's, you know, a big fight on a big uh, climatic fight on a, on a plane that could be crashing, you know, that kind of stuff. So all of that is done well and visually it's, you know, it's action packed and it's, 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 uh, some, you know, some got some great vistas and whatnot the story is just so ridiculous that you just, it's hard to, it's hard to get past it. And then Mark Wahlberg just not caring. And when Mark Wahlberg doesn't care, then it's just not that good of a movie. Um, at least he was better in this than he was in mile 22, which I actually didn't mind mile 22 all that much, but he was so over the top in that. You remember that? Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: He was just, you know, yelling at everybody all the time. So he's not like that in this. He's more subdued but still just not, he's just not giving it his all like he can. So, and maybe he relaxed, and he was making it, who knows? But like I said, it's only uh, streaming actually on Paramount Plus. So obviously the, you know, the intent is, if you want to watch kind of an action movie of Mark Wahlberg, then here you go. Uh, but I was disappointed. I mean, it had, had a setup that could have been kind of cool and it just sort of wasn't <laughs> just, Kind of dumb. it doesn't have a very good rating on the Rotten Tomatoes either. <laughs> Let me see what it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, oh gosh, we're all just, uh, running out of time here. Um, why well, don't see it on here. Anyway, so Misfits, by the way, is seventeen <laughs> percent. So not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so finally, uh, so, oh, stars. I would probably give it uh, two stars. You know, it's not, it's not that, you know, definitely a full star for the action, but the rest of it's pretty, pretty lame. So two stars for me on that one. Finally, we're going to talk very quickly, streaming on Netflix. It's called Awake. Uh, it's uh, after a devastating global event wiped out all the electronics and eliminated and eliminated people's ability to sleep. A former soldier may have found a solution with her daughter. It stars uh, Gina Rodriguez, uh, Ariana Greenblatt as her daughter, uh, Lucius Hoyos, Jennifer Jason Lee, Finn Jones. I'll let you start us off. What did you think of am awake?
2: Um, it had me. It had me during it, but. When it stopped and I thought about it a bit, I just felt like it didn't do itself a very good service. Like we, we
0: mm-hmm. they don't do,
2: many of what's going on, much of what's going on is, is explained in real throwaway lines. And I think that detracts from the power that it has. I mean, at its core, the story about a, a mother who's gone through hell uh, trying to save her kids, trying to get her kids to begin with. And then save her kids after this yeah. crazy thing that happens. That had me. I was I was on board with that. I um, I saw one reviewer in the New York Times saying that, like, he really thought that she did, uh, Gina did much better in Miss Bala. I hated Miss Bala. Um, I thought it was ah. stupid, insulting. I actually think she did a much better job in this movie. Um, mm. I think this is more in her wheelhouse. Um, it's just right. that the, the concept is, is it, I feel like the, it's like Bird Box. I mean, I feel like they're you had Sandra Bullock taking two kids trying to save after something weird has happened. But Bird Box did it better. Yeah. And I, in a way, I also feel like these movies shouldn't be compared because it's kind of slightly different. Um, that the the idea of lack of sleep, you know, of hitting all of us is really just a kind of a crazy idea. But I just kind of felt like they they did okay. It was another just it was okay. Um, didn't hit me at the head. Uh, as soon as it was over, I think I kind of forgot about it.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of meant I thought, I texted you right after I watched it and went that wasn't all that great. Um, you know, it's I I again, uh, it's these sort of global catastrophe type things that happen. This one, uh, when they finally explained the reason, it kind of made sense, but that took a whole movie for them to explain. The reason, you know, what I mean, it's it did not give us any any time to kind of they just it starts from the word go. It's just like it, you, you you hit the ground running, but it's not in a good way. You uh, I needed some explanation. I needed a little bit of of uh, you know build up to it because it's like suddenly this thing happens, all the electronics turn off, you know, the power just goes dead. And then suddenly, no one can sleep, and you're like, w- "Wait, what?" You know, and like everyone realizes, no one can sleep, and and it just happened so f- kind of too fast for me. It just it was like it already just jumped to this sort of uh, apocalyptic kind of world without really kind of building to it in a way. for Me, um, mm-hmm. the action was was good. I felt, and 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 I agree with you, Gina Rodriguez. She's uh, she does. A, I didn't see Miss Vala, so I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, the comparison, but I thought she did a good job in this. I mean, I felt tired <laughs> watching mm-hmm. her, watching everybody. You feel very tired. Um, and but the idea, but I like the idea of what happens to someone if they can't sleep. You know, they do eventually die, mm-hmm. but they kind of go crazy, and so then you, know, you kind of see the world starting to go crazy. But like I said, it just happens so so fast. But I guess maybe. I mean, how long does it take before you start going crazy if you're not sleeping? A week? Two weeks? I don't know. A week?
2: Two, three days. Really? Two, three days, your like brain you starts flowing. Start
1: legit... Really? Okay. Well, yeah. then maybe that <laughs> – I mean, they kind of say that, I guess. I don't know. I just felt like it was too rushed at the beginning for me to, to realize the world we were trying to create and then, you know – and then and then they they just jump to all the you know horribleness right away. I don't know, but like I said, it's an interesting concept, and certainly you know uh, you know it, it, it. Like you were saying, compare you can't really compare it to Bird Box or even a quiet place. Too, I mean, I felt like a quiet place was sort of at the top, and then you had Bird Box, which is kind of like a quiet place, <laughs> and now you have this one, which doesn't really compare to. <laughs> trust those two as much so kind of we're we're, de- we're degrading here as we go along in our mm-hmm. post apocalyptic natural disaster whatever um what rating would you give awake uh,
2: i I'd, I'd go three stars like i i like the the comparison it's like a cinematic multiplicity
1: <laughs> yeah um you know <laughs> i think i'll go a little less than you two and a half like i said i thought to Thought it was too rushed for me, but but the idea behind it and then the action moving forward was still pretty compelling. So I give it two and a half. All right, so that should do it for us. We went a little over our time. That's fine. We have a few to talk about. Um, thanks, Joel, again for joining us. And as always, you can check out all of Joel's reviews and and features on and interviews as well on his website, themoviematch.com. dot com. Uh, next week we uh, we've got a couple more action ones I think coming up. We have the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard comes out next week and a few other ones. So we shall join you guys then. So everyone, take care and uh, have a great week of watching movies. Take care. Bye.